This is the DL Power Couple Podcast. I'm Dominique. And I'm Miss Latrice. Coming at you. This week's topic is vulnerability part two. So on part one, we had ended by talking about whether vulnerability was applicable in the workplace in a productive manner. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were discussing. And I don't know if we finished that topic. We didn't. So I'll start off by saying... There was this one time where I was in the entrepreneurship class and this guy had said that the business wasn't doing well. And basically the business was hung on if like one event happened mm-hmm. and he told his staff this when he didn't have to. He's like, you can just kind of leave your you leave your staff in the dark or you can kind of leave your employees in the dark and just like not put them under that much pressure and be like, yeah, you know, everything's going fine and then if it works it works and nobody ever knew that the company was in trouble but he said he just didn't want to do it like that Mm -hmm. so he had told the employees that the business was pretty much in trouble and that it all depended on one thing for like the business to keep running and they were super understanding and they actually they actually supported him Mm -hmm. and whatever he needed to happen actually ended up happening so he decided that he was going to be vulnerable in that situation as a as a boss right and as a business owner mm-hmm. at that point and you know i don't know if that'll work all the time mm-hmm. but that's just an example of a time where it did work out and it was definitely a better choice than leaving his employees in the dark when the business was in trouble mm-hmm. so that's where i think it would be applicable. productive and applicable to be vulnerable in the workplace yeah and for me i was talking to one of the people that I do ESO with, and they had basically shared that they had a vulnerable moment with their employees. And, you know, coming back to it that next week or after the weekend, they basically were like, we can't have this happen again. You know, they normally didn't drink in front of those people, or at least to the point where, you know, they got past tipsy, I'll say. And now they basically saw this boss, this person who was over them, as them, essentially. And that's all fine and dandy. But then when they went back to work, it was like, oh, hey, that's our buddy. You know, he gets drunk, too. And he has these moments, too. And it was like now not the level of respect was diminished, but just the dynamic of the environment changed. And he basically had to, like, go off and say, look, this is the workplace. We're keeping it professional. And I just remember him disclosing that now he won't ever do that again. And he said it was something that he struggled with because he he said for his other boss he wanted to see those moments he wanted them to be vulnerable and then he was put in the same position and he was like you know what I'm going to do what I wanted my bosses to do and he was like I'm not regretting it or anything like that it's just I've learned my lesson and realized yeah if I'm going to be the boss I can't be that type of vulnerable with my employees co-workers anything like that because it does change the environment of the workplace they weren't doing what they were supposed to do because everybody was chill and had this great understanding that yeah we're all just human beings but it's like if you're the boss you kind of don't get that moment to just be vulnerable as leaders that same thing is said now i don't drink but to me drinking you should just drinking in front of people that's not what i'm even talking about when it comes to vulnerability if you're drinking in front of your employees and getting anything past sober you're being careless because now especially in this day and age you say one wrong thing, that's your job. Right. You get you get a little tipsy, woman walks by, you say something, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. So you can't be getting anything past sober 
no matter and it's based on the personnel, not the setting. Mm-hmm. If you're the if you're the boss, it don't matter what the setting is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, especially at an organized event like that. I mean, I don't even know why that was pooled, but to me, that, that's well, no, it wasn't an organized event. It was literally like a weekend. The coworkers normally would go out. You know, it's the end of the week. They've had a long business, whatever week, whatever stuff was going on. It's like, oh, yeah, let's go decompress, essentially. And normally, this boss would not go with them. Or if he did, he would never get, like I said, past tipsy or anything like that. He'd just have a couple of drinks and be gone. But he had more than a couple of drinks. And all of them had more than a couple of drinks. And he's, he basically was not regretful, but whatever the word is I can't think of. Um, just realized, I can't do that again. Because other issues popped up from it as well. The only reason he brought that up to me is because I told him we were doing a podcast on vulnerability. And he was like, ah, that's interesting that, you know, you're doing that. I just had a moment. Um, And it's like, yeah, you can't be like that in the workplace. (laughs) Not if being vulnerable means drinking, for sure. That changes everything. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so what new topics should we explore for part two? I think one of the biggest things, and this goes right after the boss thing, is this leadership. How does a leader or how is a leader supposed to show that they are human to people that they are technically, to people who are looking up to them, essentially? I think that all comes down to also being human. So, but then also looking at things from like a reasonable perspective. So mm-hmm. if the only perspective you talk from is money and numbers. Mm-hmm then the employees are going to look at you as just a transactional guy. Mm-hmm. Somebody who just, you know, the bottom line, if the bottom line ain't there, people getting laid off. And you definitely want people to feel like people. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I see like the NBA commissioner. Mm-hmm. Like he really listens to what the players are saying and what people are saying about the NBA and things like that and takes that into consideration. Mm-hmm. And he says not everybody agrees with that style of leadership. Right. You know, he butts heads with some of the people he's in meetings with because of that. Mm-hmm. But that's the way he does business. He's going to take what the players say and what the overall attitudes are into consideration. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, especially in this day and age, when the business has to stay up to date, mm-hmm. relevant, and it has to, you know, be sensitive to what certain things that are happening mm-hmm. and malleable, he's that guy for it. I mean, he doesn't have to be like that, but... He is, and really, he's he's putting himself in a really. Sometimes you put yourself in a tough spot doing that. Yeah, you know, it's much easier to just be the guy who's like, no, nothing you say matters, and this is how we run in the business. Because then you never have to be in a tough spot where you're in a vulnerable situation that everybody in the meeting could be like, you're wrong, right? You're ridiculous. So yeah, it's pretty much one of those like calculated risk. Mm-hmm. So when do you think a person who is of high status or in high leadership position? When or where are they able to be vulnerable? Because they can't do it in the workplace. They can't do it with their players or their employees. When or where can they do it? They can do it. It just shouldn't really involve alcohol. I'm saying alcohol aside. I'm just kidding. So (laughs) um, you said when? Yeah, when or where? It's very situational. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll give you a situation. So I'm student coordinator of Haraka, right? I have to lead you all, make sure you all are staying on top of your stuff. I know that we're all in college together. I know that life happens and people get sick or people are just struggling with their classes and things like that. But at the same time, 
as Haraka writers, we have deadlines. We have shows coming up, right? When am I going to be vulnerable with those people and say, oh, yeah, I understand completely. I'm, I'm having a rough day, blah, blah, blah. Or am I always in student coordinator mode? Basically, you keep them updated on what's going on with you. So if you have an assignment that's incomplete that you're still trying to finish, you make that known. Mm-hmm. If you're having trouble writing your piece as everybody else is, you make that known. If you're feeling pressured to have your piece finished by the time the next meeting happens, you make that known because that's what they're going through as well. Mm-hmm. So once they know that, they're like, okay, Miss Latrice is kind of in our situation. It's just that she is over us because, you know, she's she's kind of like the organization. So, I mean, that's where the vulnerability comes in because you might not really... You might not want to give them that information because that stuff is specific to your life at the time. And they could definitely use it against you like, well, you're not getting stuff done. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it could backfire if you're not if you don't finish things on time and things Precisely. like that. But I mean, it really it holds you accountable and them accountable because if they're kicking the tire, if they're like, Oh, I'm just gonna kinda sit back and just let life kinda pass me by and mm-hmm. When they see people that are that are in their situation but are getting through it, mm-hmm. they'll be like, okay, you don't have to be special. You don't have to take the magic pill or anything. Mm-hmm. You can literally be in that situation, the same situation I'm in, and still get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And, and the reason I asked you is because I remember other student coordinators, including myself, that's like one of the struggles and difficulties that we had was we are leading these group of people, most times either the same age and sometimes even younger, like my sophomore year, I was younger than people. And we have responsibilities. We have things that we're going through, but at the same time, we can't let what we're going through stop us from being, you know, on top of our stuff and then expect y'all or, or the other students to be on top of their stuff. And so then it's like you get into this space where you can't be vulnerable in class. You're supposed to be leading these group of people. You can't be vulnerable with them because the moment you do, they will latch on to that, and now nobody's getting any work done. Like, my struggle was, do I disclose to these people that, hey, y'all, I'm, I mean, I did. I, I told people, you know, I'm struggling, but at the end of the day, we got a show. We told people we we're going to put on a show. My stuff has to be memorized. If I'm telling you to have something in, I have to have something in. And to me, that that just makes the difference between leaders and people who are not leaders because people who are not leaders they will find excuses they will not get it done and that's not necessarily a bad thing because to me everybody is not called to leadership yeah it's tough mm-hmm. it's a tough situation but you you got to get a feel for it it's mm-hmm. trial and error but it's calculated that's why you don't just dive off the deep end mm-hmm. because then you got to learn the absolute hard way mm-hmm. right so it's one of those things where case by case basis you got to know what to do. You got to have... It's really about awareness. Yeah. For me, the people that I was able to go to or um, was like Mr. Kahari, the artistic directors, um, the people who were over us in these programs. And then I had you, of course, where after Harak or before Harak, I could disclose if I was going through something, blah, blah, blah. But once I was in those meetings, all that goes out the door. I'm present. I'm in whatever organization I'm in. It's about that organization. I have to get rid of everything you know, else that's not within that. And so my advice to people who may be wondering when or where they could be vulnerable, I would say find, you know, another adult or another student or somebody, you know, you you care about and that you know cares about you who may not be in those groups or that job or those organizations that you can disclose this vulnerable information to or be just completely, you know, 
man, I'm going through it. And you know they're not going to manipulate you or try to run run over you and, and make you miss deadlines and things like that. And that's what I saw has worked for me over the years because before I was just like, whew, I just feel like I can't really be a person when you're only looked at as a leader. And the minute you do something wrong, everybody's coming down on you like, whoo, child. Well, yeah, but that that comes with leadership. Exactly. And a good leader is going to take the blame when things go wrong mm-hmm. and give everybody else the blame when things go well. Mm-hmm. That's just part of it. Yeah. At this phase that we're both at, mm-hmm. I mean, especially when we met now four years later that we've known each other, mm-hmm. how has vulnerability changed for you in this relationship? Man, it's changed immensely. I mean, honest, okay, so let's start with the Miss Latrice that you knew. You knew Miss Latrice, student coordinator. That's who you knew, right? And of course, you knew there was more to me and that there was walls to be, you know, broken down and blah, blah, blah. And a part of that was because I knew that I was viewed as a leader way before I was even student coordinator. But you met me in a student coordinator position, right? So I had to make sure I wasn't crossing any lines, that I wasn't showing any favoritism or anything like that to you. So it almost blocked us from having a full I'll call real relationship, right? If I would have just kept up that persona um, or that leadership guard that I was used to putting up in front of people who didn't really care about me, it was more so about what we could accomplish. I don't know if we would be together, you know, three and a half years later, almost four years later. So what happened was we had more conversations. And like I said, I took those communication courses. And I'm going to always bring these up, y'all. I took these communication courses, which worked beautifully with me jumping into or going into a committed relationship with Dominique. So as I was taking these courses, I was literally reevaluating everything I had learned up to that point and knew about myself. So like I knew me in and out, like I could date myself all day long. Um, I knew my strengths, I knew my weaknesses. So I knew what my breaking points were. I knew what would make me let my guard down essentially. Um, And so having those classes in tandem with all the experience and knowledge that you had and the conversations that we had together was like, all right, Miss Latrice, you're learning about this. You're preaching about this. You and Dominique have been talking about this. Are you going to actually, you know, allow yourself to cry, to uh, be a real person, to have feelings, to have emotions, to just go beyond Miss Latrice and, and be, you know, lat rice and be distinctly unique and be, Miss Latrice plus Latrice, like, you know, all of these, all of these different beings that a lot of people don't get to see. They only get get to see Miss Latrice or they only get to see distinctly unique. But nobody really got to see Latrice. And I say this to you all the time. It's like the reason why I said yes to you is because you were willing to actually go beyond, I'll say, infatuated or interested in Miss Latrice. You went beyond that. So it has changed, being vulnerable has changed our relationship to me drastically because I had to allow myself to do it. Otherwise, I feel like I would have been, I would have been being petty. I would have been shut off and I would have been fake. And the type of person that you are, you don't do well with fake, you know? So I don't know how long, you know, and I don't want to call it a facade. It's just in certain times I am supposed to be this type of person and I have to be this type of person to people. But when you're in a relationship, I got to let that go. What about for you? Well, and for me, I had, I had kind of covered it in the first episode. Mm-hmm. But to recap, just telling you when I'm bothered, when um when I'm insecure about things, mm-hmm. and then explaining my past was probably the big difference maker. Yeah, 
because my trials were never money-based or mm-hmm. anything like that, but there were, like, there were certain dynamics in my life and in my family that kind of shaped the way I was mm-hmm. and shaped where my, um, like, where my lines were. And if you don't know where the lines are, mm-hmm. you ain't going to think nothing about crossing them. So me actually sharing about my past, I mean, when it comes to the past, I'm just not good with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked Latrice anything about her past. No, he is not. At all. I'm, I will. No, he won't. I will. For for those of you who are like, <laughs> what? Four years? Look, let me tell you something. That just means we got some good subject matter. We could talk about stuff. Look, <laughs> that's good. That, that, that's all that means. I mean, Or I'm just avoiding it. But either way, yeah, I just don't do well with that. But at mm-hmm. least I was able to show her my past. Yeah. Things that I hold very near and dear to me that literally shaped me. Which is funny because I remember the first time I even asked Dominique anything regarding his past, he was just like, I mean, it was it was cool. I think I asked him, like, what was your childhood like? And I was really serious because l- let me explain to y'all why I was very interested in this. I came from a single, you know, what do they call it? Single parent household, single mom household. And Dominique was the first person I was able to get close to where both parents, you know, were married. They were in the house um, and for the most part were stable, you know, showed a stable type of relationship and household. So I was very interested to see what the dynamic was like with them growing up. And I'm like, oh, what was your childhood like? And you just said, oh, it was cool. So for me, I was like, well, that was boring. (laughs) Um, So then I could tell he was just not open to talking about his past. So I just found other little subtle ways to figure these things out. And I knew he he's the type of person, he's not going to reciprocate the question unless I say, oh, say, how was yours, Latrice? And then he'll do it. So instead of doing that, when we first got together, I would just say stuff. And that's how Dominique was able to learn about me because I was also the type of person, if he had asked me that, I probably wouldn't have been as open as I was expecting him to be open either. Um, which is hilarious because here I am talking down on him, but I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, oh, yeah, it was cool. You weren't talking down on me. You you speaking the truth. That's right, always. Um, You said that I started off by saying, I mean, (laughs) that's definitely how I start off my explanations. I'm asleep. But yeah, so so I said all that to say both Dominique and I, when it came to being vulnerable at the very beginning, which to me, that's how most relationships are. Most people aren't just an open book because they don't know you. But... We have changed drastically. Like now you will, you you don't shy away from it as much when I ask you those type of questions or more so I found better ways to ask where it doesn't seem like I'm asking, I'm making statements. And then you go, no, that absolutely did not happen. And then I'm like, oh, so then tell me what did happen. And then I also talk to his parents and his siblings. So I find out more information that way as well. So, you know, if you are interested in being in a relationship and the person's not being vulnerable with you, that could be an avenue for you. Now, if you're like, I ain't worried about none of these jobs and I ain't worried about none of these relationships and these old hard eyes, you know, fluffy people, whatever, you know, here's where vulnerability can really help you when it comes to help and assistance. Yeah. When somebody asks you, if you're about to engage in a process, somebody's like, where are you at in this process? And you start lying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm up. 10 steps ahead of everything, you know, and and you really you're really struggling. Mm hmm. You've just missed an opportunity for somebody to help you. Yeah. If you need to do something as simple as ask for help on something, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation to be told no, mm-hmm. 
you've just thrown out an opportunity. Right. It's one of those you miss every shot you don't take thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's for help and then assistance and stuff. That's that can make a huge difference in life. Help and assistance can shave off years that it would take to ease your way into learning something naturally. Right. Somebody might be able to offer some of that information to you. And if they don't offer the information to you, they plant the seed just enough for you to go out and buy a book, for mm-hmm. you to go watch some YouTube videos, right. for you to start figuring things out. That's where vulnerability can really help you if you ain't worried about none of these relationships, if you ain't worried about anything else we talked about. That's where you need to apply it to your life. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're open enough to people to where they'll be open to you. Right. They might have something to offer and you might be pushing it away without without even knowing it. Exactly. And that's really the truth right there. Like I hear so many people who if you see those memes, it's like, you know, my greatest weakness or whatever or my toxic trait is not asking for help. And I feel like it's almost like we pride ourselves in that, which there is some pride that goes into it if you're being successful. But at the same time. It is absolutely okay to ask for help. And the only way you're going to get that help is if you're vulnerable. And again, I said in the last podcast, I'm not saying 100% let yourself go. I'm literally just saying shave off a little bit of the guard that you've had up. You know, take off a little bit of it and allow allow yourself to be human for just a second. Allow, allow yourself to know that there is a possibility somebody can tell you no. But if you don't put yourself out there and ask for that help... You will literally never know. And then you'll be going through life struggling and saying, nobody did this for me. Everybody was this way towards me. But you never you never let your guard down for that to happen. I remember I asked this dude if he would, uh, I don't know, if mentor me or like mm-hmm. advise me on something. Mm-hmm. He explained to me, look, I just got through a car crash and a divorce. Mm. But talk to him. He referred me to somebody else, right? right. <laughs> he said, basically said, look, my life ain't together right now. Mm-hmm. But talk to this dude. Right. The referral is what you're blocking too. Mm-hmm. So now when you think you're blocking one person, you're actually blocking that person and their network. Exactly. And if this person's older than you, they've had more time to build that network mm-hmm. without even knowing how to network. <laughs> just from just from being around and being being here longer. Right. So just make sure you're not closing that door on yourself. Yeah. Keep all doors open. Yes, and it goes beyond asking for help. It goes straight into asking anything. People are afraid to ask questions, and it's because they have to be vulnerable. They have to be willing to know that somebody can say an answer they are absolutely not okay with hearing. And so, like Dominique just said, if you if you never ask that question, you, you've just closed off all the possibilities. Don't do that. We are not advising you to do that. We are saying, please... Look at everybody as if they are an opportunity. And I don't mean in a manipulative way, but just know as human beings, we are supposed to be dependent. We do not have to worry about what other people are going to think of us. All we need to worry about is that we can help somebody else and somebody else can help us. And ultimately, you're going to get that by being vulnerable. True. Yeah. And the reason why we sound so passionate about this is because we are people who made sure intentionally that we were not vulnerable. And that if the situation came up where we could be, we made sure to push it away. Right. And we kind of flipped that at a young age. And now we're seeing how it opens doors and how opportunities mm-hmm. start opening up and how relationships start opening up mm-hmm. and things like that. We've seen it happen firsthand. And it's happened in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're trying to really pass that on because it don't cost us anything to at least pass it on to you. Right. 
I mean, it might cost us a, a microphone and a laptop, but... <laughs> you know studio yeah but other than that we really want everybody out there to understand that vulnerability does not mean being weak Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be synonymous with being weak anymore Mm -hmm. if you think about it like that then now you have a very narrow scope of what Mm -hmm. vulnerability is as with everything there's levels Mm -hmm. there's levels i know i remember reading about martin luther king and how he talked about love in a bunch of different ways and how there's a bunch of different types of love and, you know, really opened my eyes to that word. So just imagine every word you use and how it could have alternate meanings. Right. How many words do you say a day? You know, it's just the, the possibilities are endless. So right. never have a narrow scope on something that can be so broad and spread out mm-hmm. where you can see what something means to you and then extract that and apply it to your life. Exactly. Just keeping that open mind and then knowing vulnerability and being vulnerable, it does have those negative attributes. So if you're walking alone at night, you know, by yourself with nothing on you to protect yourself, then yes, to a person who's trying to commit a crime, you are a person who is more vulnerable to be taken advantage of. I'm not saying that definition isn't valid because it's absolutely valid, but I'm saying as far as relationship building goes, work, and then, you know, being in a romantic relationship, being vulnerable is not necessarily the negative stuff that it's been put out to be. Yes. So different times, different applications, different circumstances. You just got to decide where am I going to be vulnerable? Where am I going to hold it back? And Mm -hmm. where can I start trying it? Right. Start adding it to your life little by little Mm -hmm. in situations where either you know it'll pay off or you know it won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. That's a more realistic way for you to integrate vulnerability into your life without making any huge changes on the forefront because people who make huge changes on the forefront usually revert back. Mm -hmm. And that's all we got.